You're listening to another episode of A Lady and Some Dudes Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of A Lady and Some Dudes Podcast. We are going to start the show as normal with our grateful moment. And I'm going to start today. I am so, so grateful as most of America is, that we have a new president. We have our first female vice president of the United States, Kamala Harris. I am so excited about that. And I'm just excited for new beginnings. Um, Funny enough, last week, the day of the inauguration, I felt like I finally breathed a fresher breath air for the first time in four years. Like I felt like a burden was lifted. So I'm just super excited. I'm super grateful. Um, I'm praying for the administration. I know there are many dark days ahead trying to undo um, what Mr. Orange did um, these last four years, but I'm really, really excited about that. Alan, what are you grateful for? Um, I don't wanna pretty much repeat everything that you said. Um, but I am grateful that we do have a new administration um, that came in this week because I kid you not, I had Trump muted on Twitter ever since he took office. So anything related to Trump, I did not want to see on my timeline because you were always going to see him um, on the news outlets. Um, Also, I'm grateful for this Conor McGregor slander real quick because if you're just having a bad day, all you got to do is just look up Conor McGregor and you will find these memes along with the Bernie memes too, because they're starting to combine the two right now. So I'm grateful for that <laughs> because it will always give you a laugh, like at the most random opportunity, but that's what I'm grateful for this week. I hear that. Phil, what are you grateful for? Hey everyone. I'm grateful for another week, family healthy, um, and a uh, new administration. I could, I could actually like Deion said, Give, give a, brief, a breath of sight or relief. And and now this one to everyone. A liar does not stop lying. All right? A liar is a liar. So I'm glad that, like Dion said, the orange face is gone and something new. I'm not putting all my faith in this administration, but I know it's going to be better than the previous one. So we just got to hold them to task. Awesome. Awesome. Yes. Yes. And you know what? Shout out to people that stayed up for that fight last night and it lasted all of 10 minutes if that much shout out to y'all because I refuse to stay up um to watch that so it was pretty hilarious to see the memes on my timeline for sure prior to getting our show started I wanted to send my sincere condolences to Hank Aaron's family Um, if you are a sports fan, even if you're not a sports fan, I feel like if you are a black fan, um, of any sport, you know who Hank Aaron is. He is an icon. He is a legend. He essentially changed the game of baseball. Um, and he was truly king. So it really hurt my heart this week to hear that he passed away. I am happy that he got to live a relatively full life. I believe he died at 86 or 87. Um, But he was one of our icons that revolutionized um, the game of baseball and broke down color barriers. I mean, he was 
one of the best players we have ever seen. And so I just wanted to give a few moments, if we can just give a few moments of silence to acknowledge and honor his legacy. We're going to go ahead and jump right into our episode. And we want to start this episode um, talking about Kobe Bryant. Um, as we all know, last year was a tragic loss to the sports world, um, the basketball world, um, when we learned of Kobe Bryant's passing. And now that we are a year out, we just wanted to kind of discuss some of the things we remembered about Kobe. Um, some of the most memorable moments for us um, from Kobe. There are many, many, many to discuss, but we just wanted to honor his life a year later. Um, so we're going to start the show off with that. I'll start off. Um, other than Kobe preventing my boy AI from getting a ring, um, there's just this one situation to where he finally joined the Olympic team in 08. So this is the redeem team. Um, there was a point they were playing Argentina and he started talking trash to Luis Scola. So he started talking to him in his language and everything. And, you know, everyone's kind of like looking around like what's going on. And so the officials trying to get Kobe to calm down and LeBron's like, hey, Kobe, Kobe, that's enough. You know, and it's like, yo, like one thing about Kobe, man, is like you poke the bull, you're going to get the horns, man. And that's just something that you will never, ever like forget about Kobe when it comes to basketball. And that's just something that I mean, I wasn't the biggest Kobe fan, but it was like, that's just the one thing that you respect about him. It's like if he talks, if you talk, you better back it up. But if he talks, you know what's coming. Definitely. Um, one of my highlights is the 81 point. Uh, we've heard about the 100 points, and but to see someone actually hit 81 points with a victory, take a team by himself, and you've heard about Kobe un practically undefeated one-on-one, -on -one, and but to see him actually set out and destroy a team by himself, it, it was it was amazing. I remember watching that game, and 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 saw. I was like. I, ah, how could this be? How could one man done this? You know, and and he stuck in throughout the whole game, and he did every imaginable offensive move needed to bring his team back with precision and confidence. And he was quiet and focused. You know, it, it was amazing just to, to to see that and and to live out you know most of his career. And just that Kobe is is one of the goats. You know, one of the all time, one of the all time great players. It's sad how we skip. You know, from Jordan straight to LeBron, and we don't we failed to mention Kobe and his contribution to the sports. Um, he's he's almost larger than life. The things he have done on and off the court, and continue to do, you know, and even start the whole um, dad dad girl, which is of course me having three girls really 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 you know uplift that the women's sports. So it's sad that he's gone um, and resting. And then, um, but he left up for so many memories and things will go on and on. And his whole mantra is put your all into it and do your best and keep working on it and you become an expert. Absolutely. And the 81 point game is definitely um, one of my highlights as well. But I remember being a 20 year old college student 
Um, and I remember sitting, <laughs> watching a Lakers versus Dallas game. No one talks about this because they all talk about the 81 point game. And my man, Kobe Bryant, scored 62 points in three quarters. 62 points in three quarters. He outscored the team, the Dallas Mavericks, 62 to 61. His performance was so elite. They sat him down in the fourth quarter because they were like, look, you're like Superman out there. I mean, I remember watching that and that was in 2005. That was prior to the 81 point game. And I remember being like, is he normal? Like I called my dad because my dad is the reason why I am so into sports. And I was like, how, how is this happening? Like this makes no sense. And so for me, that was like a huge highlight for me. And then he said, oh, Dion, don't worry. A month later, I'm going to score 81 points, which he did. And so to me, that just elevated Kobe to the stratosphere um, for me. And for many years, Kobe has been my number two. There's no one above MJ, and that's just what it is. Um, and Kobe has been nestled right there at number two for me. So, and there are many, many, many great moments that, that we can point out, but I feel like, um, that was the first time that I sat up at attention. So my favorite Kobe moment was his last game at the Staples Center uh, with all his family there, all the stars was out and this was mature Kobe. This wasn't a jerk Kobe. This was uh, the Zen finally reached him, Kobe. Uh, everything worked out as far as Phil Jackson and him watching how to be a vet and start mentoring people. And I really, really enjoyed that night because Kobe was like struggling some of that season. He was just really hobbling on one leg trying to get through the end of the season. And, uh, and I remember Shaq called him out and said he wanted like 40 points from him that night. And I was like, uh, and I think Kobe was looking at it like laughing. But I know anybody that knows Kobe, it's like you watch him over his career. He really was like up for that challenge. And it was crazy because I never watched Lakers games, especially when they're terrible. But I stayed up to watch that last game, man. I felt like a kid again. I felt like a kid again every time he would score, every time he would go to the bench and like drink the Gatorade and be out of breath. All the young players around him just watching greatness. I mean, Kobe just symbolized greatness, man, from the beginning to the end. But it was like a more of a mature, uh, veteran, savvy, wise, elder Kobe at the end. So that was my favorite and greatest moment watching Kobe put 60 on somebody's head, you know, while he was in 60 at basketball years. Let's move on. So now we're talking about the championship that we know, um, that we knew as Kobe Bryant. Um, and we're going to transition and talk about Giannis because we're not too sure whether or not Giannis is going to be a champion or not. That is still left to be seen. So my question for the guys is, will the Bucks ever make it to the finals with Giannis leading the way? No, it's a wrap from Harden and Katie <laughs> and Irvin from Voltron. <laughs> it was a wrap. It was a wrap. You see, Giannis' game is simple. You build the wall. The only thing the orange man ever got right. You build that wall against Giannis, and he can't do anything else. His game is not mature where he's a consistent outside shooter. 
All he wants to do is go down, go, go run down the court, go downhill and crash, crash, crash. You build the wall, which also the Knicks has illustrated, and he's, he's numb. And two, he, doesn't, he has shooters, but not enough shooters where, where it'll open up the, that, that floor for him. So he's the most dangerous person. And you, he, you, KD, James, and Irvin, um, thank you for ruining the Bucks' chance and, and making Giannis regret signing that a quarter of a billion contract. He's stuck. Stuck, and he'll be a top three, top five seed, but he's not going to the championship or finals unless everyone gets struck and, and sick and so forth. Other than that, he'll never see the championship uh, with the current team uh, or with the Bucks, as long as the, the big three in Brooklyn remains together. I can agree with you, Phil, but the main issue, well, I was looking at the roster earlier today, and I just feel like they're just missing maybe like one more piece. And that's just someone to come off the bench and score because they have basically their starting lineup, almost all of them, except for Brooke Lopez, he's averaging, I can pretty much round it up to 10 points. Everyone scores double digits. But the problem is, is like when you look at the bench, yeah, Bobby Portis gives you about 11 points a game, but you know, this is a guard driven league or forward driven league. He's not a guy that's going to take you off the dribble. He's not a Lou Will. He's not a Montrez Harold type of player. But I feel like the issue is, of course, his game is basic, but I feel like Budenhoser needs to put him in more actions and stop having him bring up the ball up the court. It, it just makes you that much easier to guard. Like there were a few occasions to where I watched the Lakers game and it's like, okay, you're doing dribble handoffs. You're having him on the move, but he's not bringing the ball up the court. Because once he brings the ball up, up up the court, it's just like everyone's just sitting there waiting and they can just easily cue on you. Chris Middleton, he'll he'll still give you your regular 20 points a game. And to be honest, pretty much as you stated, like unless something happens in Brooklyn, like honestly, the only way they would win is if KD wasn't playing. That would be the best chance because if it's Harden and Kyrie, I don't feel like that's enough. But realistically, like I feel like Giannis and Chris Middleton is going to have to give you close to 60 points to even have a chance to sniff, to sniff the finals, because right now they're at 50, but they don't got that player off the bench who can easily quickly give you a, a nice little 15 throughout the floor of the game. So that's the only way I can see them actually getting to the finals, but I don't think it's happening. I'm definitely with you guys. I don't have to reiterate everything that was said, um, but you you can't forget that out there in social media world, people were saying that Chris Middleton is KD. So we definitely have to factor that in with a KD-like talent like Middleton. Can Giannis make it to the finals? I don't think, I don't think Middleton has that. He doesn't have enough of a dog in him for me. Like he he's he he has a good game, but I wouldn't even call him like a player like Katie. Like to me, his his game is a to me he plays more like ISO Joe, like Joe Johnson. Like he can get his shot at any time. He's a big guy. Like size doesn't really bother him, but like the only thing he doesn't do is just like when it's time to take over, take over. 
Like we've seen him do it maybe like one or two times in the bubble, and that's really been it. He has to be that guy to where it's like, all right, Giannis isn't doing this. I have to be the guy. You didn't get paid all that money to just be the second fiddle, and that's it. Just be like, all right, I'm going to just ride on Giannis' coattails and just play in the floor of the game. Nah, you just have to be able to take over because you know that your head guy is not a shooter. He's not a shooter, so you're going to have to be the one. And I definitely agree with that because look, despite you know the the turmoil the the thus, thus far the big three Brooklyn went through, the game they when they played against the Miami, Kyrie had a sense of you know what it's time for me to come in and he did his job, right? Even though KD should touch the ball, but still he had that sense. Middleton is not even a, he's a third to fourth option on a team. He is not the he's not the bat he's not the Robin. He's not, he, he's not even Aquaman. You know, he, he, he's just the random guy who, 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 who's, who could help and do his job, but he doesn't have that most important thing, like you said, that dog in him saying, I'm going to take over. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it. It's like when he did it in the bubble, he got so scared and he didn't recognize himself and he tried again and he said, this is not me. I can't do it no more. The, the, the Bucks. The Bucks is traditionally good for the old way of basketball in the 90s when you want to pound, you want to... Nah, everybody's shooting. And, 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 and like you said, God-oriented league. Who's that God who's going to come off the bench and give him a score? Who's going to be that person who they can look to? They thought um, uh, Holiday could do that, but that is, it's too much. You know, I don't have the Bucks even up there. I have Boston above the Bucks right now. And... and, and, and I don't see where Middleton is going to carry them over. They need a superstar. Middleton, to me, is an all-star. I give him that much. They need another superstar. Yeah, and I, I guess just to kind of echo the sentiments that both of you guys mentioned, Middleton is good. Like, I'm not going to take away, um, you know, from his ability to play, for his ability to get his shot. He's pretty good on defense, but he he just don't have that killer instinct. And when you watch games, you see superstars, like it's almost like a switch goes off in, in, in their mind and their eyes turn different, right? And they get into closing mode. Middleton is more the guy, like he'll get a big shot and he'll be like, oh, okay, that's cool. And if his team is losing, he's like, oh, okay, that's cool too. Like, I, I mean, he just really don't have that fire and that passion. So I do agree. Um, Giannis is going to come up short, I feel, every time for the Nets. What, his contract is five years. He's just going to come up short. I just, I mean, uh, unless he gets another super elite talent with him. Um, I, I think Milwaukee is going to be running around in this same circle over and over again. Now the question, will Giannis and the Bucks ever win the finals? <laughs> the answer is no, <laughs> not even close. Like, I don't even know why, like, <laughs> we even talking about that right now. You know, it, it's good conversation, I guess, for the Milwaukee fans who probably, like, had his false hope. But Giannis is the equivalent of a crash dummy. You know, you know, we all watch the commercials, y'all. The crash dummies, they just they just run into the wall. You know what I'm saying? Like, like and that's what Giannis does. Like he has no, he has no ability to counter. He's just continued to do the same thing. And teams just like 
playing way back off of him like Ben Simmons right now. And Giannis is just going to run you over. I mean, that's all he's going to do. So I didn't feel like they made the right moves. I feel like uh, <clears throat> I like Holiday. But one thing I feel about Holiday is he's not a winner. Um, you got to add winners to teams if you really want to make to the finals. And, and, and Giannis, to be honest, he needs a – oh, that's hot. Giannis, to be honest. He needs a mentor, <laughs> y'all. He needs a mentor. He, he, can't, he can't lead a team right now because he can't even get out his own way. It's like you want us to follow you, what, follow you into this brick wall crash dummy? Like it's not happening. So and, until he changes his mentality, until he changes his game, until he understands patience, maturity, and understand really making these uh, making these transitions in his game, not just working out all summer, but actually looking at film and saying, okay, maybe I have to stop right here and pull up. Maybe I can't, you know what I'm saying? So until he does that thing, that stuff, uh, uh, the Bucks will be a great regular season team, but then they will peace out when it comes to the finals. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. And Kelvin, I just have a quick question because you're like the basketball expert. There's this weird move that Giannis keeps doing in games. Can you explain, like, he's pivoting, he's turning. What, what is that? Because it annoys me. <laughs> hey, Dion, I... I, I... I don't really see too many moves from him, so I gotta go. I gotta go look back on him. Okay. Only thing I, only thing I really see him do is Euro step himself out the gym every time. <laughs> like, I'm, like I'm so sick of his Euro step. Like he, he try, he, like he does it all game long, man. So it's just like it's it's so annoying watching him play. I'm not gonna lie. I like him as a person because he stay out the he stay out of trouble and all that, Dion. But as far as like his moves, I don't really see much moves, so I couldn't. I even don't be yeah. Like I'm just One like. Wonder. Oh, it's his, so his euro step, man. His euro step and his uh his spin always back to uh the middle of the court is his go-to move. Yeah, not counter moves. Yes, yes. That's, there you go. that's the one I'm talking about. That stupid spin. I'm like, yo, somebody <laughs> just spin him to the bench because I'm tired of seeing this. Right, he do he do the same thing every time. Every time. <laughs> You block the Euro step, he gonna spin and pump fake <laughs> you to death until he could just try to dunk it. It's like, bro, chill. Like, relax. <laughs> chill. <laughs> and listen, can we, all right, listen, y'all. Can we talk about them sneaks too? Like, he has the worst sneaks for a superstar ever, yo. I saw my man wearing them the other day at the gym, man. Those sneaks are horrible. He got um, sneakers? He got, Evan, he got signature shoes? Evans have them on today. <laughs> He had oh, oh no sorry wait, wait, wait. he got signatures this is new to me yo they see all they are it they just put a big giant check sign on the side yeah, of them. Yeah, like it's it's, it's stupid nothing. it's stupid like I thought um Kawhi sneakers were the worst but definitely Giannis came in and and took that and took that because Kawhi got some sneakers i'd be like boy if you don't go put take those off right now i don't know pg got some <laughs> ugly sneakers too yo yeah he does <laughs> we might we might have to do an ugly sneaker segment Word. it's getting ridiculous out I, it's getting ridiculous. I agree you see Giannis' first pair i like them they were simple the second one 
I was like, ugh. But I heard that somebody ugh. told me it was like ninety dollars like, for the kid. So you know, oh, if, that's, okay. if that's an effort, then you know, I leave him alone. But yeah, yeah, no, I I definitely respect that. But jeez, it is what it is. Um, transitioning to um, better teams in the East. Um, let's go on and talk about the Nets. So this week was the first time. We got an opportunity to see the big three play together. Um, I know on Friday night, Kevin Durant did not play, um, but I think the first time they played together was against Cleveland this past Wednesday. Um, and based on what we saw, obviously they lost in double overtime to Cleveland. Um, Sexton went crazy. There's literally nothing <laughs> um, anyone was really able to do about that. But from what we saw with them playing together so far, even though it has only been two games, um, what do you guys think about what you see? What adjustments should be happening? What are your thoughts on this connection so far? I think they got to get the other place. I feel like you need to get Joe Harris involved right? He's getting all this money and he's like a knockdown shooter, like catch and shoot Joe Harris, three point specialist. Like, I feel like they need to work him a little bit more. Um, I feel like Kyrie needs to pull back on his amount of shots a little bit. Um, I feel like people were just overreacting to that first game to where they had like the big three for the very first time. Like he took 28 shots. I said, yo, he played, they played double overtime. Like, he could have had 20 and just took four in both overtimes. So I just feel like he needs to, he can be a little bit better with his sock selection. I mean, he's going to try to get a bucket, but there's just points where you just look like, all right, you ain't really have to shoot that. Like you can get that at any time. You're Kyrie. Mm -hmm. um, but the main thing, of course, that everyone I know on here is going to mention is that their defense, mm. like they're going to need, they're going to need another big, a real shot blocker. They're also going to need, and I feel like this is probably will be it. They'll need a perimeter player who can get you a bucket at any time. Like basically that was Spencer Dinwiddie. They need one player like that off the bench who can just get his own shot. Like once they get that, I feel like they would be fine because offensively they'll naturally gel. Like when you watch them like have sets and then when you see who's on the court, like it's like, yo, you can't really help off of Joe Harris or you can't really help off of KD because one of those two, they're going to knock it down easy. But it's just mainly on the defensive end. Like they need to figure out what their defensive identity is going to be because if anything, they'll, they'll keep up with the score. But if they're not hitting shots and the opponent is just getting off offensively. Like we saw granted on, on Wednesday, although it was double overtime, like that's one thing that you're going to have to have when it comes to like those playoff moments when things get tight. So that's just something that they need to adjust moving forward. So I definitely agree with everything um, Alan has said. We are a liability on defense. There's no other way to say this. Um, one of the things, you know, because I've been watching Brooklyn games, they need to work on these turnovers, man. I feel like mm -hmm. they're averaging about 17 turnovers a game. You cannot win games 
turning the ball over almost 20 times a game. It is unacceptable. I don't know what's in Harden's hands. I don't know what's in Kyrie's hands sometimes, but come on, get it together. So that's an issue. Then I feel like when it was Katie and Harden, they performed at like this high level, whereas like people knew um, in that initial game, like, all right, this is going to be a problem. Since Kyrie came back into the midst, I felt like Harden has underperformed. So he's not taking as much shots. And I can't believe that I would live to say Harden isn't taking as much shots. And I feel like he's kind of dwindling in the background. Now, obviously, it's only a couple of games. They're going to mash. They're going to get better. Um, but I really feel like they need to work on that synergy and kind of get it together because we, I feel like we need all three superstars on 10 um, to at least have a shot to make this work currently because we have um, no defense. And shout out to Allen because Allen was giving Brooklyn the work in those Cleveland games, okay? He gave them the work. He was like, y'all are going to trade me. I'm going to show y'all exactly what y'all are missing. And I'm not going to lie. I held my hand out to the TV a few times because I missed them. So we definitely have um, a few things to work on. Shout out to KD, though. I mean, KD is just being KD. Uh, I mean, he, he's just such a pleasure um, to watch. And, you know, definitely definitely doing his thing so the problems aren't with KD right it's, it's with everyone else um, around him so I'm curious to see how they adjust yeah I'm definitely gonna agree with both of y'all um, me I think they really really the turnovers of course and Allen Allen was the key that defensive wall because it takes a lot to score an offensive end and only person who's really known for defense or played somewhat defense on that team, a starting five, is um, KD, you know, KD. And um, DJ, he only could give you probably 20 minutes. Allen was an offensive, offensive, defensive guy back there. And he was very agile, very young. And that was the biggest piece I think they lost. But I think they'll be able to scoop up someone. They need another person who could play at least another 20 minutes. And I think McGee might be available. He'll be a nice piece. Uh, he can't give you a lot, but he's agile. He could work around the basket. He could take up um, work behind DJ, similar person. So it's not offensive, really. It's someone in the defensive end, I agree. Also, the turnovers. I think that's going to cut down as each player gets to um, understand each other's spots, where they like to get the ball and expect them to get the ball. Um, remember, in Houston, only a one other person, <laughs> you know, James Harden felt comfortable was giving the ball to that was other superstar. Others were, you know, looking and hoping that he'll get it. And when they get it, oh wow, they were shocked. So I think this team, they'll as you know, as the answer, synergy will occur uh, through the offensive end once more games are played underneath the belt. But I'm more concerned about the defensive end because you can't be scoring average. Other team can't be averaging 110, 15 points, and you're you're averaging just a slight above. You know, you got to learn to shut them down. You, you, this is not football. You can't always outscore them. You have to be able to cause other teams to miss shots and, and put fear in their heart. So we'll see. And in um, the shot, uh, shot selections, it has to be KD first, 
James Harden and Kyrie. You just you you get the less of the both. That will be the winning formula, because you know you'll be crunch time as needed, or that you know play the point guard point guard role, pass that ball, let Harden go off, and then when they need to take a break, you could take over. So those are the things I see, and especially they do need somebody off the bench. Dinwiddie was a big loss, but I think there's some some teams gonna be selling some of their parts. So look for that to happen. So I'm not too worried about that, especially as long as you have KD. You're, you're practically guaranteed in the finals. So <laughs> that's the way I feel about this Brooklyn team. I'm surprised no one's mentioned what James Harden said in his press conference when he first got to Brooklyn. And he's actually been doing it, which I'm actually impressed by. Sacrifice. I think he's really been sacrificing shots to figure out where is he going to fit into this dynamic. Like, I feel like just from seeing like a few of those games, like, I know one, I think the first game, he only took like two shots in the, in the first half. And then he started to pick it up in the second half. So I feel like, as you mentioned, Dion, like there's going to be some type of synergy that eventually comes about, but I feel like Harden is content with actually taking less shots than he's normally taking. Um, And in doing so, I mean, you could still let Kyrie go off. And then also James Harden is still going to be the one who gives you the most most assists out of all of the three, to be honest. I think the last game he had, like, maybe, was it eight to, it was somewhere in between eight to 12, one of the two. But I feel like he's willing to take that that challenge of being like, all right, I'll be the point guard who's actually dishing and, and dropping dimes and everything else. So I feel like over time, he'll start taking more shots, but he's just going to fill in to where he feels like it's needed, especially in the second half. Listen, yo, what's going on? Please, please, everybody in Brooklyn, relax. All the New Yorkers, relax, relax. Everything is okay. Um, it's simple. It's simple when you talk about a big three. You just got to learn from the big threes in the past. You know, don't try to re- reinvent the wheel. Um, it's going to take time. It's not going to come overnight. New coaching staff. But the talent level is unmatched. I just feel like... Uh, we have a small, small sample size that we're going to go by right now. And of course, everybody want to uh, critique, but I really feel like it's really nothing to worry about. I'm almost impressed by James Harden's lack um, of trying to dominate the ball and dominate the, the game. Um, I feel like they'll probably have to, they'll probably have to consider um, probably taking turns with that. But like I said, they'll figure it out. I'm not worrying about Brooklyn at all, but I am worried as a Philly fan but I'm not worried about them right now. I'm not worried about the losses they take early. I feel like uh, their talent is going to get them past. Uh, I think they're going to be in the Eastern Conference Finals no matter what. Um, but like you, you guys, I will say say this, what you guys said, uh, I agree with. They might have to make a couple, a couple small moves, nothing big, but just some pieces. They might scrap up a JaVale McGee or somebody like that. Uh, they'll get, over, get them over the hump for sure. But I am not worried at all for Brooklyn. I have no tears for Brooklyn. Yeah, and it's it's crazy because you can tell the people on social media like who actually watches and follows basketball and the people that just tune in for random games to talk trash, right? Because people are like, oh, is this y'all big three? Is this y'all big three? And I'm like, dude, so you expect 
um, three players that haven't, outside of Harden and KD, um, Harden hasn't played with Kyrie. You just expect them to come in there, mesh, and be perfect on game one. Like, these are the expectations that you have, right? So it's just it's just crazy to hear the mess. But, Kelvin, I agree. Like, it's been, what, two games they played together. I'm not concerned. They will get it together. Um, it's just, you know, how soon. And when we do see them playing together, like, that's what I want to see. I want to see what that looks like. Um, People forgot the Miami Heat big three started off like what nine and eight or eight and nine something like that oh wow exactly so it'll come together over time yeah definitely you know so since we're on the topic of you know big three James Harden I feel like we need to go back to Houston just for like one minute and boy last week we spoke about Houston having a problem with Deshaun Watson this week Houston, we have another problem. This time is James Harden's restaurant. So prior to James Harden leaving, um, he was in the phases of opening up a very brand new restaurant in Houston, Texas. Of course, um, Houston fans are mad and pissed off that he made his journey to Brooklyn. And so they decided prospectively, right? The restaurant isn't open yet, but they decided to leave a few negative reviews for the world to consume. So I'm just going to read a few. They were quite comical. Um, So the first review said, the restaurant will be trash, just like James Harden. Um, The owner doesn't know how to cook it up on the court. Um, Started strong, but really disappointing ending to the meal. Now, what meal they're referencing, I have no idea, because the restaurant wasn't open yet. it doesn't quite have that championship taste. And the last one, I literally have done everything that I can. I mean, this situation is crazy. It's something that I don't think um, can be fixed. And that was obviously making fun of some sentiments that James Harden um, shared um, prior to um, leaving out of Houston to Brooklyn. So my question to the guys is, how trash is this fan base? Like, I thought the Cowboy fan base was the only fan base in Texas that was trashy. But how trashy are these folks? Yo, they they are average trashy, if anything. (laughs) I like, I mean, we talk about like a fan base just doing it up. I mean... More, much respect to Cleveland. <laughs> I love how Cleveland just trash LB. I mean, you know, you guys know I'm an LB fan, but these guys like they just want to go buy more jerseys to burn them. It, it, was, it was so crazy. Like, so I mean, these fans are funny though. I, I mean, I'm here for all of it though. I love it. It's good entertainment. Um, you know, the, the restaurant's probably gonna shut down now. You got to change the name or something like that. Like, it's not gonna. He might as well try to change it to a strip club because, you know, he'll excel at that. That's his business. That's the family trade for James Harden. But, um, but, yeah, I think it's I think it's cool. I think it's funny. And uh, and I think the fan base, you know, just an average fan base. You know, we from New York and Philly, so this is right. not impressive to us. <laughs> yeah, it was cute. <laughs> I was laughing throughout the whole thing. I don't know. It was cute. Good try, guys. You know, you know, you need to move down the block and talk to the Dallas fans to really ruin. All you did was just rebuttal some of the things he's done and chastise. Please, 
but it was hilarious. I, I think I'm gonna go visit out so because I'm gonna try all I can. Wow. <laughs> it's it's mad weird because it's like yo like how do you give a review for something that's not even open yet that, right that's, that's, and that's and that's the first thing he was you, the first thing you said is not open so how 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 are you getting reviews like how did that even work like <laughs> like the jokes they were they were a little funny like especially it doesn't have the doesn't have championship taste like that that killed me internally but yo like that that doesn't make sense like yo at least at least let it be open for at least like a week or something like the man probably barely got his building permit at that right and 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 that's where that's what had me dying because i'm like there's levels to petty right and trust me i know how to be petty i'm gonna at least make sure my petty makes sense though right like i'm not gonna give reviews on a business that's not open like wow i mean texas shout out to texas i guess but that's just different but i did think it was kind of funny um and you know what the bad reviews might probably drive business right to his restaurant like this can really work in the opposite way so i just thought it was a cute and funny tidbit james harden is not worried about any of this stuff so it will it will work out for his benefit like that one restaurant out in Dallas that was in an uproar about a month ago about <laughs> not twerking to like uh, <laughs> club music or whatever that they're playing at brunch. Yeah. And then basically a lot of people went to go sign up for it. So, I mean, I think it's going to work out for his benefit. In the exactly. End. Exactly. And we all know Harden has no problem with twerking. OK, <laughs> so that's not going to be an issue. <laughs> <laughs> all right so let's transition to Shaquille O'Neal I think this is the first time I'm actually calling his name on this podcast so um basically man Shaquille O'Neal might be a hater y'all and I say this because he did a post-game interview with Donovan Mitchell this week that was after the jazz played the pelicans they won 129 to 118 um mitchell dropped 36 points seven rebounds five assists super solid performance right and while shaq is talking about you know the game and getting donovan's thoughts on the game he dropped in there and said basically donovan that was cute and that was all good, but you don't have the ability to lift your team to a championship. How do you guys feel about that? Do you think that was the right time or place? And is Shaq just straight up a hater? I'm going to say, yo, Shaq is a legend, right? He is a legend. He's a four-time champion. I think he even got um, uh, MVP, right? And us old heads... You know, when you get older in life and your grandparents, they start saying anything they want on their mind and you're attributed to the age, that rite of passage. I have the right to say what I want to have. And Shaq is no, no different. Shaq was just trying to let him know, listen, come make me a believer. Right now, I'm not a believer. And I respect Shaq's acronym for sports and his ability to see talent. But Shaq is a straight hater. And, and I, I definitely agree. Donovan is the one from rookie year, took that team and made them go over the hump. They had nothing. They had a bunch of pieces and couldn't go nowhere. They couldn't barely sniff the playoff. 
Donovan took him into the playoff, took him to the second round, and year by year from a rookie. So Shaq, stop it. Respect the guy's game. Only thing I give Shaq was that he said that he didn't want him to read that on the papers. He wanted to say, yo, I said this to you as a man-to-man. I don't think you have it. I give him that much respect. Other than that, he is a hater. And remember, Shaq is an advertisement. He's trying to get the publicity as any means necessary. He's on almost every fifth commercial you see. You see his face. So Shaq will do whatever he wants to do, old age, and talk as he feels. Shaq, stop hating. Give the man respect and, and, and enjoy and watch the show. Here's the thing, Phil. I just want to address one thing. Shaq is not old enough to get passes for the nonsense that he says, okay? Like, he is not in the class of our grandparents that can just be like, man, you got fat and you got to smile and, and hug and kiss him still, right? Yeah. So he's still in a phase where he should be held accountable for being a hater. I understand, but he's old in basketball years. So that's why I'm referring. <laughs> basketball years, he's a, he's a great-grandparent in basketball years. But uh, let me say this. Let me say this. I, I think... I think for the record, Shaq is a hater. Like, let's not get that twisted. He's a hater. He's been hating on Dwight. He's hating on any center that's even close to breaking anything close to his records. So he's a hater. Um, But right here, I'm not sure if this was was a hater moment for him. Shaq is also from that school of that reverse psychology. Let me go on record and say I didn't hear the interview. But I've seen Shaq act a lot of times. He did it with Embiid before. He did it with a couple players. Sometimes he respects players and he talks down to them because he believes that will motivate them in like a reverse psychology type of way. And I've seen him coming from that school of thought a lot. So sometimes it's kind of hard to figure out if Shaq is hating or this is Shaq's way of trying to motivate a player to play to his top level because he thinks that works because maybe it worked for him. So I don't know right now. I would like to really hear it again. But you know, Shaq is a hater, but I don't know if this one would count for him being a hater. Alan, what do you think, man? I don't know. If Shaq hates on anything, it's it's big men. <laughs> Shaq doesn't hate on guards. And that's and that's how I look at it. Like, like Kelvin said, like anytime that when it comes to Dwight, he was like, nah, I'm the real Superman. Like, it, it's, it's always something petty, like, whenever Shaq is heading. Like, when he was getting on JaVale McGee, it was over something petty. This particular situation, it wasn't petty. It's more like, yo, I know you're better than what you're displaying. Like, yeah, like, you've been to the playoffs, but nah, like, I gave up a 3-1 lead to the Nuggets last year. Y'all should have won that. You know what I'm saying? So, it's like, when you look at the way that Donovan's career, especially in the postseason, has gone, it's like, yo, like, I know you're good and I expect more from you. But sometimes, even when you look at it, sometimes it's not the player. Sometimes it's the pieces around the player. Like, you can only do but so much. Like, you can encourage them to get into the gym. Doesn't mean they're going to get into the gym. You can encourage them to work out. That don't mean they're going to work out. You can encourage them to, you know what I'm saying, do all these things. But as a player and you trying to be a leader, everyone has to be able to gravitate to what you are. Like there was a clip yesterday to where the Jazz was playing, I think it was Detroit. Maybe it was last year or the year before. Someone said something to Donovan Mitchell and Donovan Mitchell went off and said, this is your fault. You did this. 
you did this. And I think that's that's what Shaq wants to see out of Donovan Mitchell. It's, oh, okay, Shaq, this is what you're saying? You did this. You brought this killer out. I mean, granted, he's already a killer. Just We've seen that since his rookie year. But he wants to see more of that, and he wants to see it more on a consistent basis. That's how I feel about it. So basically, y'all telling me that Shaq is a motivational speaker at this point. No, he like, thinks like, he is. Like yeah. he, He's encouraging our younger players to excel at their highest level. He's done that with a lot of players. I've seen him do it because it's the hate in Shaq and it's the Shaq that that thinks that, you know, him doing what he did like that down in the ministry situation that's going to like motivate a guy to go berserk because he kind of looks at and they all do him, Kenny and um, I think Chuck, they all looked at Donovan Mitchell as a baby D Wade. And because Mm -hmm. of that, Shaq was always expecting a lot from him. You remember how D-Wade carried Shaq to the championship that that, that year? Mm-hmm. So he looks at him in that kind of light. So, you know, like like uh, Alan said, and we do agree, a lot of times you can tell when Shaq is just flat out hating on him. And a lot of times it's a big man because he always wants people to be uh, close to him or, you know what I'm saying, somebody or or not close to him. You know, it, it, it's, it's, it's either hot or cold. It's never in between with Shaq. It's either like, I don't want you to get too close to me or you just really, really garbage and I'm going to talk about you. You know what I'm saying? But I, I see him hating, but I don't know if this one, like I said, is a hater. But he thinks he's a motivational speaker for sure. He's just not very good at it. I, I mean, I, I fine, fine. It, it Shaq fits my life, apparently. Whatever. We'll see. We'll see. I, I mean, I just didn't, I don't know. I just felt like it, the time and the plays <laughs> wasn't appropriate. It was like, oh man, you had an amazing game. You can't lift your team to a championship. Like, dude, you can't have this conversation with me, you know, maybe a little later in the season where it's more relevant. You can't have this conversation with me in private. Like you got to reign on my 36 point parade and say this. You know, but yeah, it is. We never what it said is. the brother was tactful. We we never <laughs> said he was tactful. Ever. <laughs> True. That is a fact, and that is something we can all agree on. Until next time. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of A Lady and Some Dudes. Please remember to follow us, like, share. We are on Facebook and Instagram. Our Facebook handle is at a lady and that is the and sign, some dudes. Our handle on Instagram is a lady and some dudes. Everything is spelled out. So that's a lady, A and D, some dudes. Until next time.